0: Do you lead a team? How's it going? Are you as effective as you can be? Team leadership can be challenging, but it shouldn't be a mystery. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. So last week I shared four takeaways for better teams. I sure hope you listened in because these takeaways can make a big difference. And with last week's podcast, I really focused on team composition and the fact that when you take some time to be thoughtful about how your teams are composed and organized, you save yourself a lot of grief down the road. So So, what happens? You set your teams up for success. Uh, So, certainly consider going back and listening to that podcast if you missed it. And now is really the next step from that. Today, I want to talk to you about the unique role of the team leader in cultivating effective teams. So this can be at any level, right? So maybe this is a CEO managing a leadership team. Maybe this is middle management where you are managing a project team um, or a department team. And so there are lots of applications. And so we, you know, every week with podcasts, I try to teach principles, right? That you can then apply to your setting. And so, you know, with each of the things that I Okay. Teach the goal really is for those to be applicable in many different settings, so that you can listen to the podcast and see how it might fit for you. And so, I don't want you when you hear podcasts like this to say, "Oh, well, I'm not a CEO, so this doesn't apply to me." Wrong. That's not true. Um, we all lead teams at various levels within an organization. What I would also say is this is really helpful for you um, if you are part of a team outside of work. So maybe. Maybe it's a volunteer organization, maybe it's a church organization, and these principles absolutely apply. I can not tell you um, some of my most frustrating moments have been in meetings where I'm part of a team in a church organization where it's like, oh my goodness, this is so ineffective, um, and trying to bite my tongue because. Recognizing that I might lose my faith if I express some of the frustration that I'm feeling in those moments. And so, everything that we're talking about is applicable in different areas of your life. So, I hope you will think with that in mind. And so, of course, every week with the podcast, my goal is to help you pursue what matters by strengthening your confidence to lead in one of three areas. So, leading with curiosity, or sorry, leading with clarity, where are you going and why does it matter? Second, leading with curiosity. So we're cultivating self-awareness and self-leadership. It's really like building in space to think about some of these issues. And what I often hear from teams is, hey, we didn't take the time to think about it, right? Like we recognize our teams might not be that effective, but we're so pulled into the work that we don't take the time to actually be more thoughtful and considerate about how we can make our teams more effective. That is such a trap. I see it all the time. Um, And third is leading and building a community. And so primarily today, we're really um, looking at both curiosity. So how can you be a more effective leader if you lead a team? But also, this is all about strengthening our communities, strengthening our teams. And so let's jump right in with our first point, which is Don't be afraid to lead the team. If you are in an identified leadership role of a team, you've got to lead. You have your your orders. You need to do that. And those orders are not for me, right? That comes from your organization. So you have some responsibilities as a team leader. You need to organize the purpose of the team. So I want you to look at um, four items here. So why, what, who, and how, um, so that you can really think through um, the team leadership. So first, why? Why does the team exist? What is the purpose of the team? You always start with why, right? So Simon Sinek taught us that, um, and it's really good advice. Uh, second is what? So what is the team's agenda? What problems are we trying to solve? I think that's such a good question, because a lot of times people, it's just another meeting and they don't really know. They haven't really considered what the purpose is, or they're trying to solve a a different problem than you are trying to solve. Uh, then the next question is: What solutions are we trying to develop? Right? Is 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 this a goal directed team? What goals are we trying to achieve? Um, what does the team do exactly? Right? So is this a is this a team meeting where we're really looking at support and collaboration, or is this a very goal focused? team meeting where we're reviewing and assessing metrics, we're executing on work, right? I think about some of the teams, uh, team meetings that we have in our organization. And one of those is absolutely a work meeting, right? Like we're executing in the meeting, we're going point by point, examining, assessing, redirecting. And then we have another team that is very different right it is more of a consultation supervision collaboration um purpose and the first one's definitely collaborative very highly collaborative but the second one it's more about support in the work right so we're not spending too much time on metrics all those Those might come up, um, but we're really working on strengthening the skills of those team members. So you want to ask the question, what does the team do exactly? So do you review and assess metrics? Do you execute on specific deliverables? Um, You decide who will do what and you ensure progress on strategic focus. And then you might also guide special initiatives, right? So those are all good questions to ask as we consider what? The next question is who? So who is on the team and why? And you better have a good case. Uh, don't just add people on. Um, I talked a lot about that in last week's podcast. So if you need a primer on that, go back and listen to that again. Uh, so Further, as we consider who, we want to make sure that diverse skills are represented. We don't want a ton of redundancy in skill representation. That's not useful. That's inefficient. It's a waste of time and um, energy. We also want diverse perspectives represented. And so if you have a a team that's um, meant to make decisions for the whole organization, and yet you have major departments of your organization that are not represented, that's a problem. <laughs> That's a big problem. You, you know, again, like I mentioned, you want to avoid too much redundancy and skill sets. Some overlap can certainly be helpful, um, but you're asking the question who is not on the team and why are there reasons we're not including this person? Um, because it kind of seems like they would have a lot to lend to this. And sometimes, right, what I can see in working with teams, sometimes we don't have someone on the team because we're playing politics or because we've had a strain relationship. And it just feels like if they're on the team, I'm not going to get any rest or there's going to just be more conflict and I don't feel up to it. That's not a good enough reason, not a good enough reason. Now, if there is high conflict among two individuals, you need to sit down and have a conversation about, can we uh, be successful on this purpose? Can we make sure that you're personal grievances don't get in the way. So, right, like we tackle that directly by having a conversation, but not just by eliminating someone from the team. And sometimes as a result of those conversations, it's like, no, like it would be a problem for this person to be on the team for whatever reason. And so then it's like, okay, that's fine. But we've at least gone through our paces and really looked at rationale, had the conversations. And so there's clarity about that moving forward. Uh, So we need to have a clear rationale for both in group membership and out group membership, right? So that's just, that's just not on your whim. You need to have a clear rationale. We also need to consider um, for the team members that are on the team, do they have authority and accountability? To be successful, right? So if we're inviting someone on the team, but they absolutely have no authority to make decisions for their part of the team, then they're not a very effective team member, and that's that's not their fault, right? Like that's on you to really make sure that we have um, someone in the room that has authority. And so maybe you know there there becomes a shift in authority so that they can make those decisions, but we need to pay attention to that. Um, so again, decision making authority. Um, is really important. And I'll have a little bit more to say about the who as we continue. But for now, let's head to the last question, which is how. Okay, so we're looking at why, what, who, and how. So how does the team execute its purpose? So how do you work together? Um, Is there synchronous and asynchronous collaboration? I sure hope so, right? If the only work you're doing is when you're in a meeting, boy, that's gonna be ineffective. So we wanna be creative and think about asynchronous collaboration as well. Um, We want to leverage the power of meeting in real time. There are some conversations that are just better to have in real time. Uh, Maybe it's reviewing something together once people have actually looked at something individually. So there's a lot of power to those group meetings, uh, but we want to be focused and make sure that we're using that time effectively. So don't overlook the effectiveness of asynchronous collaboration as well. The most effective teams have a mix of both. So both in-team meeting and out-team meeting or in-meeting work and out meeting work. So an example of this would be having an individual brainstorm followed by team synthesis. And so a leader can be really helpful for um, giving the direction of, hey, this is what I would like each of you to brainstorm on like these three points, bring your best ideas, consider it. And then we will synthesize that in our next team meeting. Um, you also, so in thinking about the how, you need to identify an effective agenda for team meetings that are focused on that team purpose. You have to be vigilant about maintaining structure during your meetings. You also want to drive accountability via the agenda. When you don't have an effective agenda, you make your job as a team leader much more difficult because it's like herding cats. But if you have a good, tight agenda and you're vigilant about maintaining that structure, your agenda will help drive accountability. And then of course you invite collaboration through structuring those team meetings. So right, you can say, hey, we're going to hear from Sue now, who's going to give us the ins and outs of this component of the project, right? Make sure you invite that ahead of time so people are prepared and know how they need to contribute. So a really important point here on how I'm not asking the team leader to do it all. In fact, that would be really unproductive if that happened. But the team leader needs to help create some organization to it um, so that those meetings can be effective. So we think about a good agenda. We think about keeping things on track. We think about inviting different contributors to collaborate, to take the lead on a certain part of the meeting. And then Also on the how, we need to redirect unfocused discussions because that never happens, right? I mean, maybe you have perfectly run meetings, but boy, meetings can go off the rail. Um, Teams can go off the rails pretty easily. So we need to pull teams out of the weeds. So we got to keep in mind, like what's our agenda for today? Cause that goes a long way to help us in that we need to identify tangents and dead horses, right? To say, Hey, I think we're on a tangent here and we're really getting off of track. And there might be another good Time to discuss that, but let's bookmark that. Let's find a time where we can actually dedicate some good time to it and stay on track for this meeting. Uh, We also want to identify dead horses. So, when do you know someone has beat a dead horse? They are just talking on and on about something and it's not productive, right? It just continues to go in circles. And so, don't be afraid to identify those so that the team can move forward. We also want to challenge Pollyanna views, right? Like, okay, we're all really excited about this, but what are we missing? What are we not paying attention to? So be willing to push back, be willing to challenge. And oftentimes I will say, I feel like, I feel like it's important to challenge that. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but let's just kind of go through the rigors of it. Um, You can also invite a devil's advocate. So this is someone specifically for that portion of the conversation or the meeting who is going to challenge the thinking in the room to propose another perspective to say, this is how other teams are doing it. This is how, you know, other agencies are successful with this. And it's a very different approach, right? That can be very helpful. And then we also must identify biases and personal agendas, right? And address those as appropriate. So sometimes that's best done one-on-one to say, Hey, listen, every time we get going on this conversation, you bring up this old ax to grind. We've talked about it. We've made the decision. I know. You don't. You're not thrilled with the decision, but I need you on board, and I need you to not um, continue disrupting the team by bringing this up again and again. So be willing to have some of those tough conversations. Okay, so that's our first point. Don't be afraid to lead the team. And now our second point, which is we need to bring discipline to decision making. Now everything I talked about with not being afraid to lead the team helps to drive this discipline. But for this point, we're really focusing specifically on decision-making because that's an important role of a team is to drive better decisions. So, Again, I'm going to say a little bit more about roles and responsibility. So this is really looking at the who. So from Eric Larson, who's done some great research on this topic and is writing for Forbes, I'll link to the article. He says that if team members don't know their roles or if any roles are unfilled, then friction and frustration can really grind team decision making to a halt. So one of the most effective frameworks for making sure you have the right people on the team is called. Called RAPID. Okay. And that's an acronym. So uh, Larson says to think of it as a checklist for making sure you have all of your bases covered. So who is recommending alternatives? That's R. Who has to agree to the decision? That's A. Who is going to perform the actions required? That's P. Who will give input through critical facts and data? That's I. Who will make the final decision? That's D. I really like that approach. There are other good decisions making approaches. Um, I've talked about some of them. We think about the five C's from Dr. Brene Brown's dare to lead research. Um, But this is, this is a good one. Um, So, you know, you don't have to use all of them. In fact, that would probably be a problem, but rapid is looking at recommending agree, perform input and decision. So it's really looking at, do we have the right people composed? In this team. So it's looking at roles and responsibilities as it relates to decision making. Um, And it's important to note that people can play multiple roles to keep that team size down. But if any roles are left unfulfilled um, or unfilled, uh, decision quality will suffer, right? Because you've got gaps in that process. So that is our second point, is to bring discipline to decision-making. And then the third point that I want to share is we need to get buy-in. So as a team leader, that's also a very important responsibility is you need to get buy-in. And so from Eric Larson, he recommends that we get input separately, but then share perspectives collectively. And when I came across this and you know some of the research related to this, I just thought this is so wise and it makes... Our our decisions, not only more effective, but way more efficient. So we're not all trying to make a decision and assess the information in one room at one time. And so uh, decision-making teams have immense power to widen the perspective. And so from Eric Larson, he said that our research shows that in typical business settings, decision-making teams triple the number of choices considered. Um, And so, right, like you're making a lot of decisions and instead of getting the team together to hash out every decision, which I think happens a lot, what he is recommending is that you break that down into two steps. So the first one is you gather input separately. So gather individual input from team members first by asking two questions. So one, what are the important goals for the decision? And two, what are the best realistic choices to meet these goals? So you want to ask these questions and get it in writing to level the playing field for people with different communication styles. I really like this because it does respect different processing styles, different communication styles. It gives people space to really take the questions seriously. And it helps us to overcome the bandwagon effect and the halo effect. So bandwagon effect is if we just talk about it in a room and everyone's agreeing with one point and you disagree, you might be less likely to bring up... Um, that alternative view because, you know, maybe you're missing something and that's a problem for teams. It lowers our effectiveness. And then it also helps us to overcome the halo effect, which is when we're talking about something in a team and the person with the most power weighs in on their opinion, and then it shuts everyone else down, or they all agree because the person with the most power has that halo um, effect, that halo over their head. They must have the best thoughts on this, which we know is not true. Um, And so we gather that input separately. So you would do That beforehand, you'd give people plenty of time. You would ask them to submit those in writing to you before the meeting, and then you bring them to the meeting. And that brings us to the second step of that, which is then you share these perspectives with the entire team. So, whoever that team leader is, your Um, helping them to integrate and synthesize the information. And so as you share that input, right, you share the perspectives with the entire team, you then ask two questions. And these are really good questions for a team discussion. One, what stands out? To what is missing. And I think that it, it's such a great approach. So, getting buy in is really important, but we want to break that down and get input separately and then share perspectives collectively. And those four questions are super, super helpful. And so, um, check. Check out my Instagram, Dr. Melissa Smith. I will have those questions and that process there for you. And then the last point here under getting buy in is we want to communicate, which is a no brainer. But what I'm saying is communicate about everything, right? And so from Larson, um, what he says is that we need to communicate what and why and how team members help. So again, this is part of getting buy-in. When people don't know what's going on or they're not part of all the meetings, they're left to make up stories. Those stories are usually never positive. Um, And so that is a key responsibility of a leader is to communicate about the process. Um, And so there are two two factors that are equally important. First, to make a good decision. And second, to get buy-in to execute a decision. And so buy-in requires, one, that we share details of the decision and the reasons for making it. Two, we share what was decided. What's the actual decision? Third, we share why the specific decision was made. And four, we share how the team helped the decision-making process. That helps to make a huge difference with buy-in. So don't miss buy, don't dismiss buy-in. Um, it's not a small thing. So sometimes we dismiss buy-in due to the excitement of deciding. Sometimes we dismiss buy-in due to poor decision-making quality. We don't want people looking too closely at the rationale um, of our decision. And so we just gloss over it. So how do you provide a rationale for your gut, right? Like I just have a gut feeling. It's like, well, that's not good enough. Your gut might be pointing to something, but let's build some legs underneath that. Um, Sometimes we might end up bluffing instead of having a clear rationale. Um, And so- This will absolutely undermine the trust of the team in the decision-making process. So we want that decision-making process transparent. That doesn't mean that everyone is involved in every step of the way uh, because we also need it to be effective and efficient. So we know that team decisions are typically higher quality decisions. Um, There's less to hide, less to rationalize. You can thank individuals for their specific input. It creates a sense of fairness. Right. Like I'm part of this process and it boosts buy in even when you degre- disagree with the ultimate decision. And so I've talked a little bit about this concept on other podcasts, which is this idea of aiming for conflict transformation rather than conflict resolution. So we're not aiming for consensus when it comes to decision making because that's just not realistic, but we're aiming um, for buy-in, we're aiming for understanding, we're aiming for input, Um, and that is a really great way that we can get buy-in even when individual team members may disagree with the ultimate decision because they know they were part of the process. They know there's a clear rationale. There's transparency about that process. They were able to share their concerns, and so that's really, really important. And so today, I shared with you three key points um, that are really important for anyone who leads a team at any place in an organization. So point one, don't be afraid to lead the team. And we talked about the four questions to help you assess your leadership. Second point is bring discipline to decision-making, have a process third point is get buy-in. And a really effective way to do that is getting input separately and then sharing perspectives collectively. So I hope this podcast is helpful for you. Head on over to my website to check out the show notes with the resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 194 dash Team Leadership. So one more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 194 dash Team Leadership. So you can find the resources there. So I'll have links to some of the research that I mentioned. And in the meantime, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care.